Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. I'm Simon Kraft, and who's alongside me? I fought the law, the law won. It's Ben Aspinall. You've just come to the end of dry January. This is the, the final day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How, how have you been finding it? Um, I would kill you and all of our listeners for one drop of an IPA. Okay, well, you could just wait till tomorrow. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Right, okay. Well, we'll see how long we can make this recording last. But um, but yes, we are recording on the last day of January. That month is coming to an end, as sadly has York City's unbeaten run. So mm-hmm. we're going to look back on the 2-1 defeat at Hartlepool. Also going to discuss what turned out to be quite a dry January in the transfer market for City. So no mm-hmm. further additions other than Billy Chadwick. Um, so we're going to chat about where that leaves us. And yeah, generally a few talking points to reflect on. But let's get straight into it by looking at the action from Saturday at the Suit Direct Arena. What a name. Yeah, where we travelled to face Hartlepool United. Mm. I think you fired up the helicopter for this one for the first time in a while, didn't you, Ben? Yep, that's correct. Um, I can confirm that the uh, the Hentwicks helicopter was over the North Sea, allowing me to legally stream the fixture in stunning high definition. I was bored to tears by what I watched, but I watched nonetheless for the uh, purposes of this very podcast. So you should all be very, very grateful. Yeah, no technical difficulties. The propeller wasn't rusty. No. I do wish that it, uh, you know, the propeller had malfunctioned and hurtled me towards the sea, bringing me to an early death. But unfortunately, that did not happen, and I had to watch the full 90 minutes of this. Fair enough. Well, I was spared that particular pleasure, watching the game, that is, and crashing into the North Sea. Uh, my Saturday didn't involve either of those things. I was on a play date at Benimbra Hall. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter I should specify <laughs> oh god but yeah I was uh, this is how rumours start Simon obviously I've watched the highlights diligently made my notes but yeah you'll maybe have a more rounded picture of how the game went as a whole um, and yeah let's take a look at the lineups. Um just the one change for York so the experiment with Michael Duckworth at left wing back came to an end uh, just went for a back four with Crooks at left back. And mm. coming in instead of Duckworth was Will Davis, regaining his place in the side. Um, it looked like a 4-3-3 on paper uh, mm-hmm. with Davis, Dippo and Chadwick in the front three. But apparently it turned out to be a bit more of a 4-4-2 with Chadwick wide left and Burgess wide right. It was very fluid. I remember midway through the first half I had to put into the group chat with some mates like, Sorry, can anybody work out this formation? Because it wasn't quite as clear-cut as 4-3-3. And I hadn't quite picked up on the 4-4-2 with Chadwick, Chadwick, as you mentioned there. So, yeah, it was kind of like Crooks was in the left-back position. But his limitations at left-back kind of made it so that he didn't really venture forward, unlike Fallafield, who was a much more you know adventurous fullback. So this allowed for um, players like Paddy and the aforementioned Chadwick to kind of operate on the left-hand side. So I think it was um, kind of like a yeah fluid formation. To call it 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 is a bit, it's a bit simple. But I, th- I think it was very much close to the 4-4-2 with, with um, Chadwick giving permission to roam and cut inside. So it was very different to what we'd seen for the last couple of weeks, if not months, during this unbeaten stretch. You know, obviously with the three at the back, which had offered very good strength um, you know, in numbers in defence. 
Uh, clearly, Neil Adley fancied something a little bit more adventurous for this fixture. Yeah, and in terms of how that went in the first half, just watching the highlights, there was quite a lot of Hartlepool pressure, mm-hmm. but not really any clear chances. That was the way I saw it. Did it seem like they were on top at first? Yeah, quite a strange one because um, it shows that, not a contradiction, but the um, the difference between the match highlights that are available from the Ox City account, but also like watching it live. Um, I think you said to me, didn't you, that it didn't quite come across as um, maybe perhaps a dull game or you know one-sided in any way. York looked reasonably decent. And I think that's possibly a fair um, opinion upon reflection. But at the time, it was quite frustrating because I, I found that um, it was very difficult to um, get a positive passage of play going. Uh, and that was the same for both teams, but based on the conditions and also the pitch. So it was very, very difficult for York to start playing well in an attacking sense, but they were st- they were steady enough as the first half went on. Hartlepool tried to muster some half chances as one or two glancing headers. But in terms of actual, you know, build-up play uh, and also counter-attacks, I think the better half chances in the first half certainly fell to York City. Yeah, I think the first decent chance is the header from Will Davis, mm. uh, which I'd say is probably more than a half chance, really. So it's it comes about after Scott Burgess does some really good work on the right sort of charging forward, lays it into Dippo, who then lays it back to him. Burge puts in a cross, and Davis, pretty close into goal, gets his head on it, but just knocks it wide. Um, Listen on Radio York, Dave Ward was sort of saying he really should have buried it. Yeah, I don't wish to be too cruel to, to Davis, because he got us out of jail against Oxford City, didn't he? But at the time, I was very, very confused by um, his technique on this header. He manages to do really well to get in front of the defender. Uh, it's pretty much a clear header on goal. It's a lovely cross by the Burge. But he just kind of, I can't quite tell from the highlights, it, it kind of hits him on the angle of the shoulder, neck and head, doesn't it? And it just kind of bounces harmlessly away from goal. It just strikes me as just wasn't quite concentrating enough, perhaps. I, I don't know. I, I can't make the excuse for him. But I think that should be 1-0, um, especially with the way he's managed to find himself just unchallenged for a free header. So yeah, that early goal really do, would have set it up well for the tactics that Adley have been employing recently to you know, be cautious and wait for the further opportunity. So yeah, real chance missed. The other decent chance in that half fell to us again, and it was it was Billy Chadwick. There's a bit of hold-up play from Dippo, uh, who then lays it off to Chadwick. Chadwick goes on one of those little runs that we've seen glimpses of and then hits a low shot from sort of inside the D uh, but there's not really enough power on it I think um, and mm. it's, it's fairly comfortable save um, in the end for the Hartlepool keeper Shadwick does really well to, get to, to, to make the run to get the effort away on the edge of the penalty area and it's a pretty comfortable save as you say but if you do pause it um, Davis is free uh, to his right looking at the screenshot right now looking at the pause on uh, the on YouTube on the highlights and yeah, the fullback which I believe is our friend Mr. Ferguson uh, is oh, completely yeah. miles away, nowhere near uh, Davis. So if he's put through, he's one on one with the keeper. But I guess uh, Chadwick may be thinking, having done so well in the build up with the run and taking out two players, he did the effort. So fair enough. Yeah. So we got to half time, goalless. It seemed like it had been a fairly even, possibly slightly uneventful first mm-hmm. half. And then moving into the second half, again, probably the best chances on the highlights, at least, fell to us um, mm-hmm. for the first bit of the second half, at least. There's a goal-mouth scramble after a corner, 
mm-hmm. where that <laughs> that awful muddy pitch really comes into its own because uh, I think there's a shot from Chadwick Blocks, there's one from Davis, there's there's possibly others. It's it's a mm-hmm. it's a proper old school stramash, would you call it? I'm so happy that you said that because in my notes I did after watching the highlights, I used the phrase old school. Uh, and the um aforementioned, you know, flower of a field really added to that. It was very much um, the sort of comedic slice of action that you'd see on a Christmas compilation VHS tape of, you know, football's funniest moments and some such. Yeah. A rather tame version of that um, Sheffield United Norwich one from the late 90s where everything went crazy. But it, it was, yeah, tense, wasn't it? Um, I love the reaction of the fans and um, behind the goal. I think there's one chap who stood on uh, on one of the barriers just kind of pleading for it to go in. Um, I distinctly remember being on my feet in the living room. Oh, wait, no, on my feet in the helicopter, yeah. just exclaiming how it had not gone in. So some light comic relief uh, during the course of a rather frustrating afternoon. There's a couple of efforts from Dippo. There was one header well over after uh, Adam Crooks looped across in from the left. Mm-hmm. And then there was another shot from sort of 25 yards out where Dippo collects it from Alex Woodyard, turns, finds a bit of space and shoots didn't look too far wide on the highlights. It looked like a decent effort. Yeah, I agree. With the first one, did you? I got the impression, I don't know if you did, that Dippo kind of maybe lost his footing a little bit in the muddied penalty area because he, he's kind of on his way down as he does the header. Not a bad cross by uh, Crooks. I know that we kind of, as a fan base, were a little bit more critical of his um, efforts going forward as a left-back, hence why he's more you know suited to the um, centre-half role. But still, a very, very decent cross, uh, I thought. Yeah, I did have to double check on the highlights actually because uh, I saw the chance and then I, I rewound mm. it because I was like, who was it that put that cross in? That was a really <laughs> decent cross. And yeah, it turns out it was Crooks. Mm-hmm. And with the, the turn and shot, yeah, decent technique to get that effort away. But I think it was kind of always going wide. And if you know, if not, then I think the keeper probably had it covered. But I have to say, you know, I don't want to be cruel on the lad, but I, I was getting very frustrated with the court, with Dippo over the course of the, um, of the fixture. He's not quite hit those heady heights of the um, start of the season yet, and he's working his way back to full fitness. We all know this, and match practice will come into play. But I didn't think um, he had the greatest of games, and unfortunately, I think there's one one or two moments where he just kind of maybe didn't do well enough to win the ball back, or maybe made made the wrong decision now and again. And you know, he's got plenty of credit in the bank, so I'm not going to criticise him too much. It was just um, a little bit annoying upon reflection. Yeah, I mean. I think I've seen a few comments that Dippo's not quite been up to his previous standard um, mm-hmm. since coming back. But if you look at the four games he's started since the injury, he's scored th- in three of those four games. Yeah, um, He's also hit the post against Oxford City. Mm. Um, you know, had other chances. So even a even a Dippo at 80% is probably still um, you know, going to cause problems. I think when Dippo is, you know, firing on all cylinders, that front three will at least look a little bit better. You know, just simply by um, the fact that one of them is scoring a lot of goals. I think the attributes are all there to make it work as as a trio. The work rate's definitely there. I mean, Chadwick's got lovely feet, and I love the way that he can, you know, cut through players. Davis is a, a S-house of a player. Combine opposition players up, and he can, he can damn well finish, as we saw at Oxford. And we all know the qualities that Dippo can, brings, can bring. So it just remains to be seen if they can all fit together. Yeah. Um, next thing I've got in my notes is a possible penalty shout for a trip on Ryan Fallowfield. Nah, dive. 
You think it was a dive? I, you can't see any contact on the highlights, but it does seem to go down very quickly. Yeah, I think one player makes the protest, don't they? That's next to Ryan. Uh, maybe, maybe Will Smith. I've not got. I'm not got in front of me. Sorry. But yeah, it's the old. Oh, nah, I don't think so. He goes on. Yeah, as you say, his, his body kind of hits the floor very quickly. I think there's some consternation, isn't there, from the Hatley player who was supposed to have felled him. He's saying, like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, I, I don't think that was a penalty. I didn't think it was at the time, and uh, upon watching the highlights, I don't think so then. So at this point in the game, we're about 70 minutes in. You know, three quarters of the game is played. I make it that Hartlepool haven't really had a clear-cut chance. So, I mean, obviously we'll come on to what happens after that, but does that not suggest that we had three quarters of at least a decent defensive performance if not um, the other side of things. I think upon reflection, that's fair. And I think you've kind of weird, you know, weirdly echoed what Ardley says in his in post-match presser. I was, you know, very annoyed at 90 minutes, as I'm sure all York City fans were. But days later, you know, now in the cold light of day, watching the highlights back, doing some notes, listening to Neil's interview, I listened to Paddy's interview as well. I just kind of thought, yeah, he's probably right, actually. The two goals can be explained away, which is very convenient. But we didn't really look under the cosh, did we? We we played reasonably well in the front two thirds. Defence really had very little to deal with, apart from the aforementioned first half glancing headers. We weren't particularly being torn apart. Hattiepoel had some good passing um, passages in the second half, which I was worried about. But I actually need to put a little bit more faith in our defenders. They're good players. So it's just a shame the manner in which Hartlepool took the lead, isn't it? So let's move on to the opening goal on 72 minutes. Now, it's worth pointing out Hartlepool had just made a sub where they brought on um, Courtney Senior on the right wing, who I think they only signed on the Friday uh, on loan from Barnet, and he immediately starts having quite a bit of joy. That's a hell of a commute, that, isn't it? (laughs) But yeah, he is the one who puts the cross in for the goal. And unfortunately, our man, George Sykes-Kenworthy, who we've been very uh, big fans of on the pod and still are, palms well. it straight to the Hartlepool striker, Manny Dizaruvwe, who who's there to tap it home. I mean, th- this one is an error, isn't it? We, we talked about the... There's a couple of recent games where people have said that the GSK was to blame for goals. There was the Ebbsfleet equaliser where we thought maybe... Actually, a defender should be marking the keeper rather than uh, keeper having to do that himself. Boron Wood one, mm. we explained away as a freak goal. I think mm-hmm. this one is is a mistake, isn't it? Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Unfortunately, I think I think it is an error from GSK. I'm not 100% certain what he's trying to do. It's very dangerous in any instance to, to parry it into such an area, no matter how busy the penalty area is with your own defenders. I'm sitting from the comfort of, you know, my office talking about this. Is is there a reason why he doesn't put use two hands to try and catch the ball? He seems to be in a good you know, good starting position looking at the highlights. Yeah, I'm not sure. It seems like a strange place to be trying to go for a low cross. Maybe he was mm. expecting it to be higher and then he thought, Well, I'm out of my goal a little bit, so I need to make a, a try for this. But yeah, if you go with one hand, you know that's gonna bounce out into the, the danger zone. So yeah, I think this one has to go down as an error, um, and yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a gift for Dizaruvwe, who makes no mistake, and it's one nil. Um, and mm-hmm. as Ardley said, it was sort of out of nowhere almost in the sense that 
GSK hadn't really been tested before that. Mm -hmm. Just very, very frustrating. Um, hindsight kicking in. And you're right, GSK has been just plucking the ball out from behind the goal and society's a bit for, you know, harmless headers for his goal kicks. This has come this is the first real effort they've had properly on goal. And sadly he hasn't passed the test. It's um it's a strange one. Hopefully he's he's learned he can learn from this and make better decisions in future. Um still look fond, very still very fond of the lad. And I'm hoping that he can um move on from this. Yeah, well, we looked to move on by making a couple of subs straight after this. So um, Lennel John Lewis and Kai Kennedy came on for Scott Burgess and Will Davis. The next thing I've got is that there was nearly an own goal by, I think it's Woodyard, is it? It's Woodyard, yeah. yeah where he intercepts a pass. Um, it's, it would have been very unlucky, but um, yeah, it, it sneaks just wide of the post. Um, but that would have mm -hmm. really been adding insult to injury, wouldn't it? Although, as it turns out, Woodyard is... At fault for the uh, for the second goal, mm -hmm. so it's on eighty seven minutes, and comes from a penalty. So again, it's Dizaruvway who receives the ball just inside the box. There's a tangle of legs with Woodyard, and yeah, the ref points straight to the spot. I don't think this is a penalty. No, I didn't. I did at the time, but I still don't. He gets there. He gets there first, and he tackles the ball. You can see the ball very clearly move direction with um, Woodyard's tackle. I just simply don't think this is a penalty. Yeah, I mean, I described it as a tangle of legs rather than a, you know, lunging tackle. I think it is maybe one where, yeah, it just depends on on the ref's angle of it and and who he thinks has has got that final touch on the ball. Yeah, but yeah, GSK facing his third penalty, having saved the first two. Um, sadly, this time it's it's. I mean, it's a decent penalty, isn't it? It's. GSK goes the right way, but it's well placed into the bottom right corner. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. It's in before he's he's hit the ground, isn't it? GSK. So yeah, fair enough. Can't say fairer than that. Yeah, but yeah, two nil down. We were definitely leaving it a bit late for those for those late heroics to rescue us. Mm. Although we did manage to pull one back in stoppage time. We still watching at this point. You hadn't um, stormed out of the helicopter and straight into the North Sea in in disgust. <laughs> The pilot had been instructed to return to the mainland, but I was very much still watching. So I did get to see uh, Dippo's, what turned out to be his consolation. Special mention to uh, the um, outside-the-foot pass from uh, Kennedy from the left-back position, uh, bringing him his first assist of the season. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to correct you there, because apparently it's his second. Oh, OK, fair enough. What was the first? I asked that very question on Red and Blue, and somebody replied to me, and I'm now going to have to go and find out what they said. So, yes, it was Gary Bull 10 on Red and Blue who very helpfully pointed out that um, Castro's goal, yep, that happened, uh, against Boreham Wood, so Adley's mm. first game. Apparently, uh, yeah, Kennedy laid on the assist for that. So, yeah, it's actually a second assist. Still not a brilliant return, but no. I think we can give him credit for this one because, like you say, it's... Uh, I mean, it's Crooks who wins the ball back, does well, gives it to Kennedy, but you know, he's deep inside his own half, and mm. it's, a, it's a really nicely weighted outside of the football to release Dippo. Dippo's still got quite a lot to do, but you know, cuts inside, fairly heavy deflection on the shot by the looks of things on the highlights that um, allows it to creep into the corner. But you know, got to buy a ticket for the lottery and all that. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on this one? Did you did you think that the comeback was on at this point? You know the the optimist inside me did, but it would not. Have, uh, maybe it would have been deserved. I, I don't know. 
Um, but then again, we didn't really create much afterwards, did we? So there wasn't too much to get too excited about. Was there Dippo's shot come cross or whatever you want to call it, that kind of curves towards the far post. Otherwise, it was kind of a bit of a damp squib, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah, so, yeah, Dippo had that chance. I think it is a shot, but, um, mm. yeah, just, just curls it wide of the post. Hartlepool should really have a third right at the death when uh, it's senior again, who's completely free in front of goal. For some reason, decides to hit it first time straight at GSK and then hits the rebound into the side netting. Um, mm. it, it should have made that 3-1 there. But as it was, yeah, finished 2-1. Hartlepool, unfortunately, had done the double over us. And yeah, first league defeat since that home game against Hartlepool. So a bit of a strange quirk that the the, uh, the unbeaten run was bookended by uh, by those two defeats. I think the only comfort you can take from it is that we don't have to play him again this season. Right, let's take a look at the tweets that we had in response to this game. Um, so, Matthew Clulo said, Still lacking a cutting edge between midfield and attack. Don't like a back four with Crooks as a fullback. I also don't like Davis, Dippo and Chadwick in that three. Disco Den Kelly said, I don't think we deserve to lose, but we definitely didn't deserve to win. Certain mm. players obviously impress in training, then deliver very little on the pitch. This is going to be hard work. I assume by this, uh, that means the rest of the season. Or just his podcast. Well, yeah, could could, could well be. <laughs> Interesting point here from Essex Benji, who said, despite all of Ugla's money, we can't buy a penalty this season, yet we concede quite a few. And yeah, as we remarked mm. on last time, we're still not managed to get a penalty somehow. Corrupt Vanarama, if you ask me. No comment. <laughs> Vanarama have been known to at us in, in things, so I don't want, to, uh, don't want to get on their bad side. Ben Morrison said, the midfield is just really poor. Agree that Davis, Dippo, Chadwick doesn't work and we need an extra body in midfield. Going to be an unpopular opinion, too, but GSK is a great sweeper-keeper. Shot-stopping, strength and handling on occasions are appalling. Some costly mistakes. Um, and there was a a couple of replies to that saying it was harsh. I think that's very harsh. Um, mm. I don't think his any aspects of his game have been appalling. I think he's he's made a couple of mistakes potentially. If you look at the stats since he's come to the club, we've conceded ten goals in the ten league matches he's played. Yeah, which you know that's that's one goal a game uh, for anyone who hasn't done the maths. And if you look at the league table, there's nobody in the national league over the course of the season, who's conceded less than one goal a game. So I think in that sense, considering we were conceding about two two per game before that, that bears out just what an impact he's had. I think to play devil's advocate, to, to think of what Ben Morrison said there, I think he just could improve just some aspects. You know, um, I've been impressed with his way he's been claiming crosses and such. And, you know, he's not been afraid to, to come out and, and um, claim in busy penalty areas. But um, if you look at the mistakes that have, have happened, it's just, I think, the the basic things that have gone wrong that can be, you know, trained out of his system, particularly the incident this past weekend away at Hartlepool. But I'm also thinking of what happened away at Bournemouth. You know, just get a stronger hand on that. It doesn't need to loop into the net. And frankly, what happened against Ebsley was a freak incident. It's, you know, he's not going to be marking an opposition goalkeeper too often this season, is he? Oh, so I think... Not. What he gives you in terms of your overall gameplay, he's definitely worth persevering with. He needs an arm around the shoulder and reassuring and, you know, back to training ground. Let's work on some things. He's got a bright future, possibly at a high level. And let's hope that's with us. Yeah, I mean, he is still 24, which is very young in goalkeeper yeah. terms. Um, and obviously, having a former Premier League goalkeeper 
on the training ground with him in the form of Stockdale, that should be, mm. you know, what better way to to learn his trade. So yeah, still still very much in the pro GSK camp despite this uh, despite this error. But yeah, let's move on from that game to look at our talking points. First of all, Liam Hartley sixteen um, had a two part question. Really, he said, "If we don't make any more signings, what's your predictions of where we'll finish at the end of the season?" And to help out midfield. Could Cordner be an option at centre mid? Uh, and there was another question uh, from Hotshot Hamish that said, does Tyler Cordner have a future with City? Could he add some steel to the midfield? So, yeah, should we deal with the Cordner question first and then talk about sort of lack of signings and where we think we'll finish? What do we think? There's, there's a couple of people. Obviously, the issue is we're quite short in midfield, potentially. We're sort of an injury to Woodyard or Paddy away from being a bit light there do mm. we think do we think Adley would consider Cordner as an option you can see the logic behind it in terms of he's he's good with the ball um he can you know spray accurate passes out to the wing I guess the the caveat is is his lack of pace an issue there just as it can be at the back what do you think it's more I would be very very concerned if we were counted on and we were relying on Tyler Cordner turning around and running back towards towards his own goal when he's in defense you don't tend to have that happening. Action does tend to be either in front of or to the side of him. I'd rather not have him turn around and running back towards action. That's my personal preference. I can see why people are a bit, um, you know, enamoured by this idea of uh, Cordner midfield. Got a great range of passing on him. I just, I, I don't know what it is in my water. So I just can't feel it. I, don't, I just don't feel like enthusiasm myself. I could probably be talked around if people are that convinced about it and have it explained to me. In an emergency, if Woodyard was unavailable, I could maybe see him there. But I just get the impression that if we've not seen it yet, I don't think we're going to see it. Yeah, I think it'd be an interesting thing to see in practice, but you'd want that to be happening in pre-season, really, wouldn't you? You don't want to be experimenting while you're still trying to steer yourselves clear of relegation. So yeah. I think hopefully you know, we see Dan Batty come back. Maybe it's still not too late for other players to come in in midfield um, and we don't have to to fall back on that kind of experimentation. But yeah, I can see see some of the logic behind it. Uh, in terms of the first bit of Liam's question, if we don't make any more signings, so that is a big if, uh, what's your predictions of where we finish at the end of the season? Mid-table nothingness is probably um, the end goal from the uh, management team. So what, you've got um, 17 games remaining, what, 1.5 points out of that? So... Quick maths in my head, about 25 more points. Yeah. In that 50 range, as long as we finish 20th or upwards, really, isn't it? That's that's the case. Get to the 50 mark and uh, try and rest a little bit easy. Yeah. Um, Adley keeps mentioning getting to 50 points. So that would be, I think, 17 points from the last 17 games. Uh, yeah. We're obviously we're averaging a bit more than that. The bad news is that we did go down on 50 points in 2017. Yeah, but it was a freak occurrence though, wasn't it? Well, you know, freak occurrences sometimes happen more than once in the uh, in the crazy world of York City. So I think let's aim for 51. Are you saying that we need to re-sign Sam Muggleton? Well, you know, is he available? I don't know. I bet he is. Again, to be a bit boring and statistical, 
if you look at the uh, the points that we're averaging, I think that should be enough to see us safe. I think maybe something like 15th, 16th should be achievable. It's not exciting, but hopefully we'll be clear of the drop with a few games to go. I think there's been a lot of panicking about losing one game after an eight-game unbeaten run, which, um, you know, that always happens with football fans. We're very fickle. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of Ardley's points tally, he has been in charge for 22 games and in mm-hmm. those 22 we've acquired 30 points now if you look at the league table sort of after other teams had played 22 points if you imagine that was the start of the season Oldham had 30 points after 22 games and they were in 10th so mm-hmm. Adley's very much since he's come in he's got us in mid-table form the issue is we were really handicapped by getting three points in the first seven games and the other issue is mm. the, the teams around us have started winning, but they can't all keep winning forever. <laughs> it would be the logic. So I think we just need to concentrate on what we're doing, keep chipping yeah. away, getting the wins and the draws where we can. And yeah, I would say even without further signings, we've shown enough in the last couple of months that we should be able to to get the points we need. I would agree with that. It, even with the current setup, it's going to be stodgy as all hell. It's not going to be great to watch. You're probably going to be going to the concourse bar about 40 minutes into a match. But I think we have enough to stay up. Next talking point, also on the midfield subject, is from Gary Rogers 49 who said how the midfielders might score more goals when the strikers are marked up and maybe the return of the Mitch. I mean, yeah, Hancock's, I think, has come back from his loan spell, hasn't he? We've not seen him near any match day squads. But again, if we're ever light in midfield, do we think there's a... Any room back for him? I was a bit surprised to actually see him come back from Hartlepool, to be honest. But um, do you think that's uh, on the cards? I mean, Hancock's um, appeal and allure was always his energy levels and his commitment. He always gave 110%, you know, to use that footballing cliche. He left it all out on the field. And he he never was the, the greatest midfielder. He was decent at arriving late in the box and getting, you know, getting goals. And that was a key part of why he was so useful in the promotion push in 2022. So, you know, it's my own personal preference. I would not be averse to him being tried in that midfield role ne- uh, next to the Burge and Woody. But I just don't think he's in Neil's plans for things that have been apparent over the course of Adley's reign. He's he's hardly made any matchday squads. I think he's made one sub appearance. Yeah, I, I would if if he was named in the next next squad and he came on and what have you, wouldn't have any aversion to that. Shows that Adley's willing to use the entire squad available to him. It's more I just don't envisage it really. If it would have happened, I think it would have happened already. Yeah, on the midfielder scoring more goals thing, um, I think that is a good point because yeah. he talked about Burge's assist numbers, but he's had quite a few chances and he's got and he's only got one goal to show for it. So I think he could maybe step up a bit more in terms of goal scoring. Yeah. Daddy's had quite a lot of chances as well, uh, without too many goals to show for it. Woodyard, we know that's not really his strength. So, mm. yeah, it'd be nice to see the midfielders chip in with more goals, like Hancock's did, you know, a couple of seasons ago. But I don't know that's necessarily likely to happen. Another talking point from Matthew Clegg, who just says, Lack of signings, not necessarily a bad thing, but we are worryingly light in centre mid if big hair gets injured or suspended a discussion on who you think are the main relegation candidates yeah i think we've covered the the midfield issue that we are like there we probably could do with another midfielder in there 
um, if they're of sufficient mm. quality to make the squad. But hopefully, to use another cliche, Batty will be like a new signing if he's back in a couple of weeks. But yeah. let's look at the, the second part of that, which is who you think are the main relegation candidates. Now, just looking at the table, we've got Oxford City at bottom of the league on 27. Mm-hmm. I would say that everyone other than the top 10 is still possibly in danger because if you look at Eastleigh in 11th, all right, they're only six points off or seven points off the playoff places, but they're only eight points clear of the relegation places. So it's not impossible that a um, a collapse in form could see the likes of them struggling. So, yeah, it's really wide open. The teams at the bottom have started winning, some of them at least. So, yeah, it's difficult to to predict because there's a few things we can go on. We can go on where they are in the league now. We could go on recent form. We could go on sort of size of the club. I'm going on PPG because it's done us so well in the past. Right. <laughs> we can talk about budgets. And then there's a few sort of managerial changes that are obviously going to yeah. throw things into well, the Well, Woke, Woking have made that change, haven't they? They've um, already made a change of manager's season. Ebsfleet have recently sacked their manager. Um, the Minster brought in, is it Phil Brown? Yep. So that's going to be interesting. Well, I think, yeah, they're all rolling the dice on a new manager bounce. And it has actually happened for Kidderminster because they looked mm. buried really under Russ Penn. But they've had a couple of good results since Phil Brown came in, despite him getting uh, much mockery. Because uh, he's a bit of a comedy character. True. They look like they're potentially on their way to, you know, getting out of trouble unexpectedly. I think Oxford City are probably most likely to go down. Yeah, I would write Oxford City right off right now, um, based on PPG, based on form, based on the size of the club. I think they're kind of, you know, here to make up appearances and to be really harsh. That might sound very arrogant and cruel of me. But yeah, when you're getting 600 at home, admittedly on a Tuesday night, I don't think you're um, going to be doing too well at this particular level. They're very much conference um, regional numbers, aren't they? So I get the impression they're probably going to be the you know the first one down out the trapdoor. I would also like to add file to that. Um, I was very I thought they were very very poor when we visited their place a little bit earlier on this season, uh, and I don't think they've really turned it around properly in my opinion either. So there's something about them which strikes me as I think they might go back down as well. Other than that, I'm not 100 percent certain. W- uh, Woking need to sort themselves out very very quickly. And the teams like Barnwood and Dagenham and Redbridge, for some reason, aren't doing what they normally do. You know, mid-table to mid-table conference stays. So, yeah, it's a very, very intriguing uh, race to the bottom. Yeah, I think Oxford City, in the games we've played them in, they probably look the worst team in the game at the LNER. That was really quite one-sided. Um, they looked a bit better in the recent game down in Oxford. But then again, they looked a lot better when Zach McEachran came on and apparently he's got another injury. So, yeah, I think yeah. they are probably favourites for the drop. Ebbsfleet and Woking, yeah, it really depends whether the new managers can turn things around. I mean, it doesn't seem like Woking's new manager has managed that yet. Mm. I'd say Dorking and probably Maidenhead will be around there like they were last season. Yeah. Sort of on that borderline between going down and staying up. We'll learn a lot more about Maidenhead this Saturday, won't we? Whereabouts they are. Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to that. But yeah, it's it's difficult to, to pick out for. If I was a betting man, I'd probably just choose the, 
the current bottom four <laughs> to be very dull, okay. which is Ebbsfleet, Fylde, Kidderminster and Oxford City, who are the four who came up last season. Yeah, they're the four bottom teams based on PPG as well. So to be equally boring, I'd probably have to agree with you there, but I am keeping my eyes on the one team above them, which is Woking. One talking point I wanted to add in as well was about Cedric Main leaving, because uh, that's happened since last time we recorded. So he has left the club permanently for a fee to Steve Watson's Darlington and apparently got a man of the match performance on his debut, uh, which they won. So a bit of a weird situation where we've seemingly made a profit on a player who never played a minute of competitive football. Um, Marvellous. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it seems like he was fifth choice forward, so it probably makes sense for him and does. But I do wonder... If you think back to earlier in the season when Dippo was out and before we brought Will Davis in, they probably he probably would have got some game time. There were those games where we Lenny was our only forward option and he was mm. having to, to go for 90 minutes. So there's an alternate universe where we were able to recall him from Blythe and he got some game time and who knows, he might have done something there. You're thinking of the FA Cup third round tie against the Manchester United, aren't you? I'm thinking he probably would have definitely got a hat-trick in that game, yeah. <laughs> After... You know, scoring a last-minute winner against Wigan. Yep, I I would totally agree with you. I would like to have seen what he could have done. I didn't see him in any of the friendlies, if I'm really honest. Or if I did, I don't recall. So that shows that up already. Yeah, I'd like to have seen him. I didn't. He's gone to um, the pub leagues for a fee. Can't say fairer than that. He's done well. He's always done well at that level. No one's ever really taken a proper punt on him at this level. We bought him, didn't we? Because it was before the ugly money. So he's just a victim of circumstance. I wish him all the best. But I can't say it's something that's keeping me up at night, Simon, if I'm really, really honest. <laughs> okay, we'll move on from that one then. Um, just one further talking point. don't know whether this is keeping you up at night, but it's about Yeovil Town's new badge. Right, let's just have a look at this, because yeah, you're getting a live reaction. <laughs> it's from Essex Benji, who says, The new YTFC badge by the same guy who did the York Centenary badge, oh, okay. which, which we remember... Didn't bother with any punctuation this time. <laughs> so get it up. Let's let, let's have your live reaction video to the uh, to the new Yeovil badge. Describe what you're seeing to me. I am seeing um, a pair of gloved hands levitating a old school football in the air with the year of Yeovil Town's creation. Sorry, Simon. Why am I describing a Yeovil Town <laughs> badge on a York City podcast? Because this is what you're paid to do. Oh, excellent. Oh, in that case, then yeah. Um, I say paid. I mean, you know. Oh. This is what you're doing for the exposure. This is very true. <laughs> exposure. I'm not the first exposure you've treated me to before, Simon. Yeah. I actually quite like this badge. I, I, my opening impression is I like because it's got reference to the to the, the gloves, the glovers at Yeovil Town, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it. I don't see why it's obtained such a vitriolic reaction from people. I'm a fan. Fair play. Yeah, do you know what? I think exactly the same. I had a look on it, yep. clicked expecting to see something dreadful. I think that's a nice badge. I yeah, think it's it's sleek, it's modern, with a with a bit of a call to their origins, like you say, with the gloves. Mm-hmm. I think it's an improvement on the old one, which was very old fashioned, sort of crest with the with the medieval lions at the side and a scroll yeah. with the uh, with the club motto "Achieved by Unity." And some kind of sorry, we are spending a lot of time talking about Yeovil Town here. So wh- why? Well, <laughs> we're going to be—they're going to be our main rivals next season. So you know. Oh God! Let's get on the good hey, side. Hey, wait, 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 how? There are so many 
Northern team's going to get promoted or something that we're going to end up in Conference South. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying the history between our current owner and Yeovil Town. Oh, right. Right. It's hardly Luton York, is it, Simon? Well, could be. But yeah, there's some kind of ghost, I think, on a throne on the old badge. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> describing the Yeovil Town previous badge on a York City podcast? I don't know, but he seems to be holding the snow globe and pointing at it, so... You, you've taken the Glover's cast winning that non-league podcast prize ahead of us really well, haven't you, Simon? No, we don't talk about that. But, yes. yeah, I I think we need to give this this new badge better coverage than Glover's cast do. Uh, although, you know, <laughs> with, with their name, they'll be pleased with it, won't they? With the gloves. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, in all seriousness, the, the centenary badge, I thought it was quite nice. It was nice to see the old... Uh, the old yeah, proper badge it. with the bad with the bar and the yeah. lions, but obviously it had that weird punctuation. <laughs> the, the F dot C no dot at the end. Here, like like um, Essex Benji said, there's no punctuation at all, so there's no problem. I'll tell you what, you're you're coming off as a right F dot C. It's about the time you're giving this badge. Seriously, can we move on to Maidenhead? I think there's more content to be. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just turn this into a podcast where we discuss other clubs' badges? Listen, if that's what we want to do in a close season, I might, I might consider it. So on Saturday, we've got our first home game since New Year's Day, which is at home against Maidenhead United. For a bit of context, obviously we drew one all there as part of our unbeaten run. Uh, Callum Howe was a late equaliser. After I think we'd gone down to ten men, hadn't we? Yeah, the Woodyard um, rescinded red card. That's the one. Maidenhead are two points above us in the table. Their recent form is probably the definition of mixed. So they beat Solihull mm. 2-1 at home last weekend. But the Tuesday before, they lost 1-0 at home to Ebbsfleet. And they've only got three away wins all season, which I guess is a promising stat. Um, they haven't got any player who's rocketing up the goal-scoring charts to keep an eye out for. Can you remember what happened in the corresponding fixture last year? Did we not lose? Was it 2-1? We did lose 2-1, yes. Was that under your friend of mine, Mr. David Brent Webb? That is correct, yeah. Um, and it yes. Was, it was John Lewis who got our goal. So what, what are we expecting from this one? I mean, is it too extreme to say it's must win? Um, a win would be preferable. It's as must win as it can be without being must win. It's yeah. a must not lose, let's put it that way. And what what do you think is going to happen? A football match is going to take place, and I think we're going to win. Right? Can I can I trouble you for a scoreline? Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a dogger of a match. Really, I don't think it's going to be, t- be particularly exciting. It's going to be bloody cold for a start. I don't think this is going to be one for um, the neutrals. I think the enthusiasts are going to be grinning and bearing it. It's hard to see where Adley goes after. The formation and the tactics used against Hartlepool. Are we going to revert to the three? That could certainly be an option. You could have Duckworth make another attempt at the left wing back. You could have Lassie Fairweather come back in. We don't know if his personal issues have subsided. So, or does he want to stick with this uh, rather strange 4 3 3 4 4 2? Who knows? That's the excitement of turning up at 5 to 3 and working out the formation when the players come out, isn't it? So, Based on the players that we should have available to us, I think we have enough in attack to uh, to muster a victory. I think uh, a rather stodgy and uninspiring 1-0, maybe even a 2-1, is on the menu for this one. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. 
unlike somebody else on this podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be in attendance at this one because it's my wedding anniversary. So, yeah, we've got other plans. Going to watch the Oval Town, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I just love the badge so much. So. <laughs> you have some ciders in Somerset. Fair play to you. That doesn't sound too bad, actually. One other thing that's worth mentioning about Saturday's game is that it is a dedicated game for football versus homophobia, which I think we did one mm-hmm. last season. Um, doing it again. Football versus homophobia, you say? Yep. Paul's panel, away win. <laughs> well, hopefully not, because, yeah, supporters are going to be able to engage in a series of LGBTQ market stalls in the concourse. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, obviously, all the rainbow-coloured flags and things like that, which, which you'd expect, but there does seem to be a bit more substance to this. There's going to be LGBTQ artists in the fan zone, and mm-hmm. up to 200 free tickets made available to the LGBT community via the Great. Foundation Fixture Initiative. So, yeah, we should tip our hats to the club when they do good things, and this this seems like one of them. I think so. It's going to get critics from the usual um, avenues. I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time on trying to justify this. All I'll say is, if it can expose uh, the football club to a new um, niche of fans who will want to come in future, that can only be a good thing. Um, we can all be more inclusive in different ways. Uh, and if you don't like it, just ignore it. It's absolutely fine. It'd be interesting to see if homophobia have got a left back we can sign. <laughs> um, I've got a little bit of a surprise to end on, which is that I yeah I can't be at the stadium on Saturday, but I, I did make the trip there today. Oh, really? Yep. Not specifically for that purpose, but I was I was at Vanguard, so I thought I'll, I'll nip into the club shop, and I have uh, I've purchased something quite nice, actually, which I'm now going to display. I have. Oh, he's done it. He's only gone and done it, ladies and gentlemen. He has bought a York City Football Club calendar 2024. That Simon, is correct. I know this is very much a feature that won't be useful on you know won't be great on podcasting. Please show me on this call. Show me October. I thought you were going to say that. Here we are, October. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I'll hold it up for your for your perusal. We've got a nice, Marvelous. nice picture of Dippo and John Lewis, presumably celebrating a goal there. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell that they're not celebrating Halloween. That's for sure. Well, no, because um, yeah, as we as we trailed last week, there is no thirty first of October on this calendar. Sometimes the dates will be false. So just to check, Simon, if you flip forward now to November. Does it carry on in terms of the days? So have they missed out the 31st on whatever day that would be, a Thursday? Have they carried on? Is it a Thursday on the 1st of November? I'll tell you what, it's worse than that. Because... Oh, God. So October the 30th this year falls on a Wednesday. So we mm-hmm. were interested, you know, does it does it then go straight to Thursday or does it skip the Thursday and move straight to mm. Friday? No, October the 30th is on a Monday here. What? So the entire month of October, it's not only the wrong number of days, they're all on the wrong numbers as well. Oh, they've just God. They, I think they've just reprinted September. That's no. The, yeah, that's, that's I think, what's happened there. Oh, um, that's bad. This year we've got Sunday the 29th here, Monday the 30th of October. And then if we flick across, that's a short working week because you're straight to Friday the 1st of November. So that's accurate. That's correct. That is correct. But um, yeah, and we've got Maz Kuya doing a little celebration on that one. So that one's already out of date. Oh, no. So yeah, £2.50 well spent, I think, there. Just just for that feature, I'll be honest. I'm not going to be putting it up. But... Should we put on your expenses? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Marvellous. Thank you for showing that, Simon. That was uh, very amusing, but just why is nobody proofreading these things? We need to bring Dave Penny back. But yeah, anything else you wanted to add before we uh before we bid our farewells this week? No. Um looking forward to getting back across to York for the fixture. Looking forward to celebrating the end of dry January by um drinking uh, myself to death, possibly getting into a fight with some sort of local police horse, and uh disgracing my family on social media. So if you see me knocking about York on Saturday, please do say hello. Mine's a pint. Excellent. Um, but otherwise Until next time, you keep the faith.